Amen. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. We love you, Almighty God. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't God good? Chains are broken. Aren't you glad God broke every chain of bondage in your life? Lifted your spirit. Amen. Amen. So many people over the years have said, well, I feel something. What is this I feel? It's God. It's the Spirit of the Lord. And I feel Him in this room tonight. I think we ought to give Him another praise in this room. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You would turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I... I know all of us in this room are at a different season of life. And we have quite an age difference that's represented in this building tonight. But if we could ever learn to glean out of the season that we're in, there's always an opportunity to glean out of the season that you're in. Everybody say seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, to everything there is, what? Everybody say a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Time to kill and a time to heal. Time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. There is a time to mourn. Also, there's a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to have six foot distancing. I'm just teasing. To refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and there is a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. He says in verse 9, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? What are you working for? What are you doing? Uh, what profit is there in that time that you're working. He's teaching us to work in the season that we're in. Be not weary with well-doing. For in in due season, you're going to what? Reap if you faint not. There is a labor that has to be done. But we have to understand the season that we're in. And I want us to lay our Bibles down and I want us tonight, we're going to talk about seasons. Everybody in this room is in a specific season. Would you, would you just pray with me? Would you ask God to speak to your life today? Oh God, we love you. We worship you. I ask you, God, to minister tonight in this room, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. I pray that you would help us and Gather us, Lord, to that place in the Spirit that we are supposed to be in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. God bless you. You may.
be seated. To everything there is, there is a season. If, if no one, no one at, at wintertime should be going out and trying to gather tomatoes or cucumbers in January, maybe in some specific part of the world, but for us, we realize you can't go out to the garden and pick cucumbers in January and tomatoes. Why? Because it's not season. Neither, neither in the winter do you go plant tomato plants. Potatoes, cucumbers, and peppers. Because you're going to end up frustrated because it's not time to sow. The Bible teaches us that to every thing there is a season and I'm not here to talk about planting per se or harvesting but what I am talking about is to everybody in the room you're at a season of your life I look and see brother brother Jake Jones here tonight and Brianna and I want them to stand if they would they they just got married just about three weeks ago and we're so glad to have you tonight amen he did real good. He married a girl from West Virginia. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. And uh, she, her, her pastor in West Virginia was uh, uh, somebody that I've known for 30 years, Joel Seitz, and good friend of my wife and I, and amazing people, he and his wife, Angie. And, and, uh, but we're so glad that she's here. Aren't we glad that she's here with us tonight? And, but they themselves are at a different season. In the Bible, Brother Jake, remember this. In the Bible, they took a whole year off of war and just stayed home. And it sounds like the post office business, doesn't it? He works for the post office. But they would actually take home. And because in the season as a newlywed, you are gathering things from that season of life. That's different 50-year anniversary of your marriage. And when you're at 50-year anniversary of your marriage, it's different than when you first got married. Because it is a different season of life. And uh, where we mess up is we do not understand the seasons of life. There will be a season of life that you can't gather what you can gather at 20 years old. There is a season of life that you can't work and we call that retirement. There's a day that you should retire. You need to retire. There ought to be a lighter load there. And I would say to every young couple and every senior couple in the building, I know would amen me tonight, but don't wait till you're 50 to start storing up for retirement. Don't wait. Don't wait till the snow starts flying before you start uh, gathering out of the fields. You, you've got to know in spring that it is a season to plant, understanding the growth part of the season through the summer and that in the fall, in the harvest season, you're going to gather because winter's on the way, the ground's going to be frozen, and everything left on the plants is going to rot off. It's going to be of no use. You've got to gather in at the season that is of the life that's time to gather in. The Bible says, he that sleepeth during the harvest shameth his father. There is a time in your life you got to realize, I've got to gather. I've got to stop everything I'm else doing because right now it's harvest time. 
And there are seasons even in a church that it's different than the sowing season and the plant, the planting season and, and, and the watering season of a plant. There's times in the church that it's harvest time. You've got to harvest everything you've been praying for. You've got to harvest everything you've been seeking God for. And there are times in the church that you need to be sowing in prayer, sowing in weeping. How many know what I'm talking about? Prayer revivals and sowing seasons. And there, there should always be prayer. There should always be watering and, and ministering to people. But there's also that if you will, will sow in weeping, you're going to reap in joy. The Bible says they went weeping, casting precious seed. But guess what? It will bring a great harvest. And when it's, when it's time for the harvest to come, we saw this summer, we had a prophetic word. We fasted for three months, sought God for three months for a prophet. The prophet came through here and said, clean out your house. It was a time of consecration. It was a season in the church to reevaluate Netflix and Hulu. And I think the prophet said 74, uh, uh, Stimmy check, bought you that 74 inch TV. Do y'all remember that? And he said, that's the problem with the church is everybody stayed home watching Netflix and Hulu and got their stimmy checks, he said. He said, it's time to clean out the house and get rid of things that are distracting. And he talked about not watching things we shouldn't watch. And there was a great repentance that came on us. Four preachers in the, in the, that came and preached. And he, they were preaching consecration. And we did that. And a prophetic word said, there's coming a harvest. There's coming a harvest. And guess what? We pushed toward that. And we saw in one Sunday, 65 people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we're thankful for that. Can you say amen? You've got to learn the season. But it, when, it's, when it's harvest time, you've got to harvest. But when it's sowing time, you've got to sow. When it's weeping time, you've got to weep. You've got to do what God has called you to do. I want you to lift your hands all over this room. And say, God, help me to gather out of this season what you've called in this season. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to look at somebody beside you and say, you need to understand the season that you are in. Seasons. Tis the season. To be what? Won't be long, we're gonna be eating too much turkey. And some of you are gonna be eating stuffing. I don't like the stuffing. I've tried it every year. There's this, there's, this, there's this theory that every seven years you like stuff you used to not like. Well, in 43 years, I still don't like mayonnaise and I don't like stuffing. And I hear you, I hear you out there. You ain't tried yours, honey. I hear you. Well, you haven't tried my wife's. I've tried everybody's almost. I still don't like it. That's not just a season. That's a life. That's a lifestyle. Amen. And uh, won't be long. Be pumpkin pie. Won't be long after that. Until what? I went to a store the other day. Lowe's. They already had Christmas trees up. They're out of season. Amen. But they're pushing toward that happy time. Christmas is on the way. And and like, hope, like last year, that we'll get snow on Christmas Eve. Anybody want that? My daughter was singing about the snow the other day. Won't be long, the snow is coming. There is seasons of life. And I want everybody in this room to understand. I, I got to obey the Holy Ghost. Is, is that all right? Why don't you stand, lift your hands, and ask God to speak to you. I want everybody in the room to lift your hands and ask God to speak to you.
Lord, we need a word tonight. We need a word tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Clap your hands and thank God for his word. You may be seated. Now, now in the seasons of life from practical things, but I, if I can for a minute, I want to teach you a revelation that I've got as of recent. I have preached it here, but not in the full context that I will. And it's very possible I'm going to lead this into a series the Holy Ghost would bid me to. But when someone first comes to the Lord, their approach to God is going to be different than Elder Melik's, than myself, my wife's. The way my children relate to God is going to be different than, than someone that comes to the Lord at 35 years old. Because it's, again, different levels and even different, everybody say different seasons. There is in the book of Esther, uh, if you will grab your Bibles and turn there, I want to give you a revelation that I do believe will impact you on this Bible study night. Esther chapter 4, reading with verse 10. Esther 4 and 10. Haman has created a law that to annihilate every Jew in the modern world, 127 provinces. He has, it's already enforced, it's already stamped by the king's ring and Mordecai receives word of this, who is Esther's adopted father, really by bloodline, it's her cousin. How many know he raised her? She's now in the palace. He sends a word to her. There's about to be a holocaust of our people, including you. And he says to her, you've got to go to the king. Now let's base something here tonight. Almost every theologian, every student of scripture would say that Esther is a type of the church. That's right. Esther is a type and shadow of the church. She's a, what we would call in study a parallel of the church. You can compare yourselves as the body of Christ or the bride of Christ to Esther. In this, King Ahasuerus would be a type and shadow of the king of kings because he was the king over 127 other kings. 127, he was the king of kings. So there would be a parallel for us to understand our relationship with the king. How many of you believe you're the bride of Christ? Come on, how many believe you're the bride of Christ? We didn't deserve to be here, but we had favor with him. Esther was adopted. She was not in the bloodline of royalty. But when the king saw her, because her pastor, her father, uh, Mordecai, said, there's something about you. The king has sent a call to, out to everybody because many are called. But she was chosen. She had 12 months to prepare herself in myrrhs and spices to purify her skin and other myrrhs and spices to purify for six, two different segments of six months, 12 months to prepare herself to meet the king so she would be accepted, so she would be chosen. It was a season of her life to prepare her life to be accepted by the king. And guess what? When he saw her, he, she had favor with him and he chose her to be his bride. I want to stop here and say, I don't want to ever lose that in my walk with God is a desire to please him. I want to please him. Psalms 19 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You can displease some people and please God. But I don't want to please others, amen, and not please God. I want to be right with the Lord. 
I want to put away every tradition. I want to put away my human concepts and thought processes. I want to please him. Somebody say, I want to please the Lord. And it's amazing when somebody comes to the Lord, they get this hunger to just be pleasing, to seek to please God. And uh, I don't want to miss, miss it, do you? And so in this season of her life, she is seeking everything, making changes to please the king while he chooses her. She's now the queen. In the time period that she's been there, somehow Haman has worked his deceptive ways. He's got authority and he's angry because her uncle, excuse me, her cousin, which was the adopted father, Mordecai, won't bow to him. Isn't it interesting that Haman, who is a typology type of type and shadow of or a parallel and study, Haman's the devil. Anybody would believe that that studied Esther? Haman's a type of the devil. He, he wants to kill, steal, to destroy. He wants to take out everything that that looks like, acts like, talks like the bride of Christ, the, the, the elect of God, the chosen of God, the Jews at that time. And I would say to you here today, it's no different. The devil would love to destroy your family. He would love to destroy you. He's got a plot and a plan to take you out. And Mordecai hears of it. And, and he won't bow. And Haman says, I'm going to destroy everything like that person that would not bow. You know, can I stop here tonight on this teaching and say to you that every time you see a young person in this altar, you ought to lift your hands and thank God. Every time you see a young family with children in the church on a Wednesday, you ought to thank God for that. When we see elders still here loving God, been in this for many years, guess what? We ought to thank God for every level in the church. We are a multicultural and we are multi-generational in this church. Aren't you glad we got people of every age demographic represented in the anchor? Seasons and in this moment, she hears that word gets to Esther that Mordecai is in the gate. That's where he stayed. He, he would stay at the gate. He's in the gate and he is welling. He is, he's, he's not just the proud father now. He's wearing sackcloth. He is grieving. He's broken because he knows what's been planned for his people. Word gets to Esther about her cousin Mordecai and she sends a change of garment to him said oh please put on these clothes you're out there in sackcloth you need to change your garment but it was a season that he was dealing with the season of his life was dealing with agony of what could be and I realize every service somebody's going to come in maybe one person's in a season of rejoicing but there might be somebody in a season of grieving all of us want to be here but there's times we need to be here I mean, no, that's very, very true. And don't ever think just because things are going well for you that it's going well for everybody because somebody might be in a different season in their life. And Sister Esther, her father's funeral is going to be tomorrow. Just passed away yesterday. And, and, but we will, Bible says, weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. We love Sister Esther and your brothers. Amen. We love you. We'll be praying for you. 
and to be sensitive to seasons and to be sensitive. What's wrong with them? Uh, that shouldn't be the term or the, with a negative connotation, but it should be, I wonder what they're going through that I can pray for them and help them encourage them through this. What's wrong with Mordecai? What's wrong? Hey, put on these garments. Put on these clothes. You need to, you need to change your behavior out there. And he sends word and he sends, he sends a copy of, of, of the law that says all the Jews will be destroyed. When he receives the copy, when she receives the copy and she reads it, he had sent instruction. You, you've got to go to the king. You've, you've got to go to the king. Let me put it this way. There's time for intercession. It's not just you're his bride and he's taken care of and you're living in the bask, you're basking in the blessings of the king. You're in royalty now. You've got, you know, when you came to the Lord, you got more than you've ever had. Can I get a witness from somebody? You've got more joy and more peace. God even takes care of your finances. God takes care of health. God does all these things. There's times, a season that you're just basking in that. But when the enemy comes in trying to destroy everything that belongs to God, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, there's sometimes in the seasons of, of ministry, I'm gonna be up here shouting and rejoicing. But when I'm up here and I'm weeping, it's not a chemical imbalance. It's not emotional uh, uh, chaos. Sometimes I know things. Why is he weeping like that? Y'all saw me a year or so ago. I wept and cried from, for, for weeks upon end until I felt almost crazy. But it was a season that I was weeping for the people of God, weeping for our nation, weeping for our city. God spoke to me just beyond those doors, something that absolutely changed my life. I called my wife from the altar and I said, Cindy, God has spoken to me. I was weeping. She didn't say, you need to quit crying like that around the kids. Not one time did she say, you need to, you need to pull yourself together. She never did that. She let me operate in the season I was in, in the spirit. Because Bible says that God will reveal his secrets to the prophets. There are people, you get close enough, you can hear what he's saying and feel what he's feeling. Man, I feel like preaching on a Wednesday night. There are seasons that you need to be open to what God is doing and not just what you think you should be doing. What's moving God? What is stirring God at the moment? Why is he acting like that? Why is he in the gate weeping? I'll tell you why. Because there's a plot against the church. There's a plot against God's people. And he tells her, he said, Esther, you've got to go to the king. And she declares this. She declares this back to him. And that's verse 11. Will you turn there? Esther 4 and 11. I've seen people clueless to the seasons of the kingdom. Clueless to the seasons of the kingdom. I don't want to be clueless to what God is doing. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Look at your neighbor and say, there are seasons. There's, there's, there's sowing and reaping. I may believe that. There's also time for war. There's time for intercession. There's time the church might be a little different. I feel like teaching you tonight. But not every service is going to be the same. There's sometimes it's just victory. The whole building's filled with people rejoicing. It's so exciting. And you're, you're, you're gathering the spoils of the war that you've had. But there's other times it's war. There's a time of war. There's a time of binding and then loosing. And, and uh, that's where she is. She's been enjoying the season of the palace. And, and, and he said, you, you got to stop what you're doing. You got to go to the king. And she said, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king, unto the inner court, who is not what? 
Whoever comes before the king that hasn't been called by the king, there is a one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. And it was sort of like, it was sort of like this. Uh, Brother Nehemiah, will you, will you grab me a microphone? Uh, will you grab me a microphone, a cordless microphone? And uh, um, the golden scepter. Everybody say the golden scepter. And what you will learn with Esther is that she was in a growing relationship with the king. You can actually parallel your life coming to God and where she ends up. I call it Esther's progression of faith. Everybody say Esther's progression of faith. And uh, uh, Rachel, come here if you would be Esther for a minute. And come, come right down the aisle. And... Uh, um, yeah, you can stand. Just stand right here. And what happens is, is when Esther has been asked, when Esther goes before the king, when the king sees her, she comes into the inner court. The Bible calls it the royal house. It was where the inner court was. Sound familiar to anybody that studies the tabernacle plan? The inner court. There was the outer court, the inner court. When she goes into the inner court, he has a throne that he sits on. And in the inner court... When she comes in uninvited, she is, they let the king know Esther's here. He has a staff. It's a golden scepter. It's been decorated in specific royalties. Golden is his rod of authority. And when she walks in, if he does not take the golden scepter and put it, reach it out to her, and then she would reach up and touch the end, touch the end. When she would touch that, he was welcoming her, step toward me, welcome her to come Near to him. Near to him. If he did not hold the scepter over her, she would be killed. That was the law of the king. Listen, it's a privilege to get invited into the presence of the king. If you can feel God, and you come to church and lift your hands and you feel the golden scepter of the king come out over and you feel the gush of him pulling you into his presence. You can feel that emotional acceptance coming in. That is one of the greatest privileges upon the face of the earth is to feel God. Amen. Just, just, sit, just sit right here for a minute. I don't want to ever lose the, 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 the gratitude of his presence. David said when he sinned, he said, cast me not away from thy presence. Second Thessalonians 1 says that we shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. I want to say to you in Esther's progression of faith that she had an understanding. It is a privilege to be asked to come into the presence of the king. Church should never be ho-hum. Devotion should never be ho-hum. When you feel God and he's put the golden scepter over your life and you can feel this, you feel invited, it ought to be something you're thankful for. It ought to be something you're grateful for is to feel his presence. Amen. I don't want to get used to him. I don't want to get used to him. That church is just something else. Praise and worship is just something I check off. No, 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 no. When I feel his presence, I want him to know I'm so glad to be here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. 
Do you realize tonight how many crack addicts would love to feel what we feel? How many alcoholics on the bar stools of our taverns would love to feel one pinch of what you have in this minute tonight? Oh, we should never come in ungrateful, unthankful. We ought to come in thanking him. He's invited us into his presence. Hallelujah. Praise God. Had a buddy one time, I'd invite the church. Move of God. He couldn't even shed a tear. For whatever reason, there was no golden scepter over him. No golden scepter in his life. He could sit through most conviction preaching. Everybody in the house nearly running. He was unmoved. No golden scepter. She had in her progression of faith, and let me say here, in this season of her life, she understood that, that it's a privilege to be invited to the house of God. Are y'all getting what I'm preaching? Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. She had such reverence for something she had never had. Such reverence for, for who he was in her life. Uh, that she understood that the king has the authority to let live... Or let die. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we forget the seasons of life where we had a fear of the king. A fear of God. Heaven or hell. That one of these days, all of us are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for the life that we lived And he has the authority. Only God can determine who's going to be saved. Only God. I've seen people live horrible lives and they preach them right into heaven. Right into heaven. People live live grown grown adults that defy the things of God. Defy everything about God. And I've never preached anybody into hell. I I just don't. They're in the hands of a just God. And I can't put people one place or the other unless I know that saint for years and seen their life. And I've been glory. I preached a funeral not too long ago here. Somebody had served God for, for, for five decades. It was powerful. It was a move of God. But what I'm saying to you in this room, as for me, I don't want to just think that I can live any life. I want to live. The Bible says, seek out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. There's a verse that says, if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? That moves me. And that was what Esther had in that initial progression of faith. She understood, if he doesn't accept me, I'm dead. If he doesn't accept me, I'm done. And I want to say to you in this room tonight, we can never on any level of progression of faith, any season in our life, lose the foundation of wanting to be right with the king. We've got to make sure every day we get up that I am pleasing him. When I lay my head down tonight, I am pleasing him. There's got to get something in us that says I want to please God. Am I pleasing to the Lord? Come on, does that move you? I want to know that when I go to prayer, he receives how I've lived. Can you imagine standing in judgment? Standing in judgment? And you're standing before him and you look and the scepter's not down. And he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Because iniquity was there. Insubordination was there. No aligning with scriptural submission to his to God and to his word. I don't want to stand before God and he not 
put the scepter down in my life. And I'm saying to you, there's one thing we better never step out of. It is a season of repentance. It's a place where I want to be right with God. Don't compare yourself to somebody else's life or how they lived or what they did. You've got to say, well, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? That's what really matters. I want to be right with God. Come on, anybody feel what I feel here tonight? We need a relationship with the Lord. Praying and nothing happens. The preacher preaching can't feel anything. Go to church and can't feel anything. Why? Because the scepter's not out. I've seen people come that were sinners. And when they come in, because the Lord saw the, their heart and how they were tired of the world, and they wanted to turn around. And the Lord immediately just, because he could see the sincerity of the heart, that they just need a second chance. Come on in. Jesus with the adulterous woman. The adulterous woman, he, he stooped down beside her when everybody's accusing her and he, he, he allowed her in his presence and he wrote in the dirt in the tabernacle, in the temple. And he said, go and sin no more. I'm telling you, that's the mercy of God. And for all of us in this room, no matter where you've been or what you've done, when the Lord reaches that golden scepter and you can feel the presence of the king, there ought to be something in you that turns over and over and over again and said, I'm so glad. I feel him. I'm so glad he invites me into his presence. Somebody say amen. Come on. I don't want to go to church and not feel God. I don't want to bend my knee and not feel God. I don't want to open his word and it not speak to me. I don't want to go listen to preaching and it go past me. No, I want to be like this, a sponge that's taking everything he's got for me. Is there anybody that feels that way tonight? You can be seated. I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I know I'm talking about tonight two different, trying to parallel two things here tonight, but. Seasons and progression. We don't always live in a constant state of fear. If you'll bear with me. And I'll plan on next week talking more about this. I just want to say it before I move on. We should never lose our fear of the king. It should never be this. Well, Pastor, y'all just be glad I showed up tonight. I could have been washing my car. You're not here for me. You're here for him. Oh, I had all these things to do. Just be glad I came tonight. We can sit like a, we can sit like, you know, so ungrateful and thankful. That should never be us. Can you say amen? Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you right now. Watch this. Everybody say a season. The, the definition of season talks about an appointed time. A season is an appointed time. It means it's specific. It has purpose. But it's a season. Time is different. Time continues. The seasons are for a season. That means there's a beginning and there's a, an ending. A beginning and an ending. When you look at Revelation 2 and verse 20, it says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. Jezebel would be the opposite of Esther. She's going the wrong way. She's trying to do the wrong thing. But when you look at it, it says... 
By the way, I've never met anybody that was named Jezebel. I haven't. Or Judas Iscariot. Have you? I haven't met one yet. But sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Verse, now watch this. Verse 21, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Let me word it this way. There was a season in her life that she knew what she did was wrong. I can tell you where it happened. Is that okay? Man, in her progression of faith, Esther's progression of faith, foundationally, she had a fear of the king and wanted to please the king. I'm not saying that, what I'm saying is you got to gather from that season that will forever take care of your next, next season, the next stage of life. But if you don't get it on this season, you're going to suffer later. How many know? You don't gather the food during the harvest. You're going to be hungry during the winter. And when God comes down and hands you a gift called repentance. Repentance. We talk about, oh, I got, I've got the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've got the gift of speaking in tongues. I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of this. How about the Bible says He granted them repentance. He gave them repentance, another verse says. You know what that means? It's a specific time in your life that God allows you to feel about what you're doing the way He feels about it. That's what it, that's what it means. And, and, and Jezebel had killed an innocent man by the name of Naboth so her husband could have his vineyard. She killed him, falsely accused him and killed him and then took the deed back to her husband and said, here's Naboth's vineyard that he would have never sold. But Ahaz dresses up, he goes to the vineyard and is claiming it as his own. And guess what happens? A preacher steps out from behind the vineyard. Says, hey, he says to him, Ahab, what are you doing here? The preacher the preacher's looking at the man that took property that didn't belong to him. And he says uh, to, and, and Ahab says to Elijah, what are you doing here? And something inside of him knew. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen. He said, judgment's coming upon you. Judgment's coming upon your children. And judgment is coming upon your wife. You go tell your wife that the dogs are going to eat her just like they did the blood of Naboth. I'm telling you, that's not the prophecy you want to hear. But when the prophet prophesies, it says judgment's coming because of the sin that you've committed. You say, well, I don't like that type of preaching. Well, let me tell you something. There's a season that we need to hear that type of preaching. We appreciate the prophecies of prosperity. What, what, what about the prophecy is when, when Nathan says to David, thou art the man. God saw what you did in secret. And this is what's going to happen because of that sin. Can I tell you, the way we have modern prophecies and old-fashioned prophets in the Scriptures doesn't always line up the same. But there's a season that God sends a preacher. God sends a man. How can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except to be sent? That's why earlier this year there was a prophet in this pulpit saying, clean out your house. 
Clean out your house. Clean out your house. It was God saying it's hindering you from what I want to do in your family. You know what we did? We got on our knees and we repented because God spoke to us through a man of God. It was a season that there's harvest times, there's shouting times, but there's also times to get on your knees and say, God, search me. Is there anything in here that's not pleasing to you? There's times you turn everything off. You go home and pass up Taco Bell and Arby's and Dairy Queen and you go home and turn everything off and sit on the couch and say, are we right with God? Is my attitude where it should be? Is God pleased with us? Are we treating each other right? If there is not that, we're going to miss it because if you don't have repentance, you don't have anything. You can go to church a thousand times, but if you don't have repentance, you can't be right with God. He said, except you repent, you all likewise perish. Can I say, I appreciate the shout. I appreciate the infinite of the Holy Ghost, but let us fall in love again with repentance. Let us fall in love with again and being right with God. Is there anybody that feels that way with me? I want to be right with God. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the preacher said, go tell your wife that the dogs are coming. He leaves the vineyard. He hangs his head. He walks into the palace. And he says, she says to him, Honey, you look so sad. I thought you'd be happy going to your new summer home. Well, what's wrong, Ahab? What's wrong? I don't want to talk about it. Now, when a woman says she doesn't want to talk about it, she means she wants to talk about it. When a guy says he doesn't want to talk about it, he doesn't want to talk about it. You know, that's part truth here tonight. What's going on? The prophet was at the vineyard. What? I said the prophet was at the vineyard. Well, what did he tell you? He said, we're both going to die because of what happened with Naboth. He said, the dogs that ate his blood, they're going to eat yours. You're going to become dung all over the hillside. I'm telling you, that was a prophet not telling her what she wanted to hear. When she went to bed that night, and the neighborhood dogs started howling, she didn't sleep. When she got on that chariot and went into inner town to go buy that new scarlet, beautiful outfit, and a dog came running across the front of the road. You know, she thought, is this today? She lay in bed at night and wonder, am I going to have to pay for my sins? And for a season of her life, she knew she was wrong. She knew what she did in secret. God knew. Because God told the prophet to tell her, your sin, the wages of sin is death. What have you had in secret here tonight? What's in your life that no one knows, that God knows, that you push it off because no one's come to say anything to you about it? But you know you've got secret sin. In the secret of your life, things that you know that you would be embarrassed to tell me, embarrassed to tell your friend, but you haven't thought of God in a while. You just pushed it off because it seemed right, it felt good, it seemed to add to you. 
But I'm telling you here tonight, don't ever forget, the king knows. I said the king knows. You can dress it all up, make it fancy, put on a fake smile, put the facade in front of everybody, make everybody think you're good, but God doesn't see you as man seeth. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You see, it's preaching like this that makes us uncomfortable, but it's preaching like this that God brings seasons of repentance to where we change our lives. We change our futures and we're able to get rid of things that does not please Him. We turn around and become better because we turn it over to God. I'm not telling you you have to come and confess it to me. That's not what you have to do. Repentance is a place between you and Him, not you and the preacher. You can get on your knees and say, here I am. Psalms 19, read it later. The Bible says you go and confess your secret sins to Him and ask God to forgive you of your errors and those things that dominate you. And you, get, you, you ask God to forgive you of secret sins. And I preach to you tonight not to hurt you tonight. I come to tell you it's a season. It's a gift to get it right with God. The Bible says he gave her a space to repent and she repented not in some months, maybe even years. There was a period of time where she, all she had to do was get on her knees and judgment would have passed by her. All she had to do was say, Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I had a man murdered innocently. I have ruled evilly. I have brought, I have brought idolatry to this, to this city that your name was upon. And oh God, I don't want judgment to come to my life and just like that God would have forgiven her judgment would have passed her and a miracle would have happened in her life when the preacher preaches you and says this is what God said you should never get mad at the preacher you ought to stand or humble yourself and say I want to be right this is a season where God is stirring my heart come on do you want me to just preach real short in this in two minutes so you can grab Taco Bell on the way home? Or do you want to be able to get before God and say, there's a season, there's something in here that's not right. I want to get it right with Jehovah. I want to get it right with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to be right with Him. And there was a season in Esther that she knew, she knew she had to please the king. Do everything at all cost. I'll unplug this. I'll turn this off. I'll remove this from my house. I'll remove this out of my life. Because all that matters is when I stand before the king, he's pleased with me. Can I ask you tonight, is God pleased with you? Because in Esther's progression of faith, this is the foundation of who she was before the king. Oh, it doesn't stop there. It only increases in the dynamic relationship that brings authority and dominion. Before this is all over, God is asking Esther, is there anything you would like me to do? There is a place in God that you can get that God so trusts you. You are so in one with Him, in unity with Him, that whatever your will is, is actually the will of God. I, I thought there would be a pause, but there is a place in God to where you're such in tune with Him, so pleased, pleasing to Him, that God trusts you to ask Him anything and He'll do it. Because you're not going to pray out of a carnal mind. You're not going to pray out of a sinful heart. You're going to pray with a kingdom mind. The Bible calls it the mind of Christ. You know what that place is? It's a place called dominion. It goes back to pre-sin in the Garden of Eden when God said, I'm going to name some things. But Adam, you go ahead and name some things. I trust you. There's no sin. The glory's in your life. There's an innocence here in the Garden. They were naked and not ashamed. There was no sin that was there. And God gave him dominion over everything. Whatever he said happened. 
Whatever he spoke would happen. There was a man by the name of Joshua that exactly the same. In the middle of a battle, he stopped and said, I command the sun to be still. And God said, wow. Read it. God stopped the sun because a man he trusted would lead in his people. And when Joshua stopped and commanded the sun, he didn't command God. Don't command God. But when he commanded the son, God, the Bible says that there was a never a day like this day that God hearkened to the voice of a man. And there's some of you right now, you understand the fear of God, but you've never entered into a place of dominion. But before this is over with, there's some of you just going to look at that devil that's been in your life and said, I cast you out of my life. I command you to get away from my children. I command you to leave my health alone. I command and God will hearken to your voice. I wouldn't plan on going this far tonight, but I come to preach to you. There is a place of spiritual dominion that what you speak, it comes to pass. He told Simon Peter, he said, up on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on the earth, it's gonna be loosed in heaven. I believe we can cast out things that's been tormenting us because you get dominion with God because you please him. I'm not here for me. I'm here to please the king. Oh, jump to your feet, clap your hands and praise him for his goodness. Oh, praise him. Praise him. It's a season that God brings you through. That he's taking you to another season that's very, very powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I feel worship. I feel something in here. I haven't come to preach you into condemnation. I've come to preach you out of bondage. I've come to preach you out of that guilt. I've come to preach you out of that shame. The the thing that says, I don't feel worthy. No, he loves me. He's invited me to his throne room. He put the golden scepter over my head. Come on in, Esther. It's a season of repentance. I call this church to a prayer revival. I call this church to a season of repentance. I'm calling this church to a place of consecration, dedication, and fasting. I realize you can't fast every day, but we can go in seasons of fasting, turning everything on. I'll call a fast in this church to say no media for 30 days, but some can't do it. You know why? Because they don't understand the value of the season. They don't trust the pastor with the commandment of the season. They go watch this and watch that. And, oh, I got to watch the news. You got to watch the news as if they're the voice in the gospel. I come to tell you, if we call a fast against media, we ought to turn it all off and respect the season. Esther said, we got to all fast for three days without food and water. You know what? And they did. There's got to get something in us that's consecrated and realize, yes, I can enjoy the, 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 the abundance of the royalty, the abundance of the, past, the palace, the abundance of the king's royal house. But there's also a time I've got to consecrate myself. Humble myself before God. Consecrate myself from my old, my own desires because the danger of here a little and there a little will lead you so far away from God. I'm preaching repentance to you tonight. I feel this right now. When you leave for Jerusalem and you go to Jericho, the Bible says there was a man that was stripped, beaten, robbed, and left half, half dead, nearly dead. But if you would walk from Jerusalem to Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, You were 
the, the significant difference of elevation. Jericho is so much lower in elevation than Jerusalem. But when you're walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, you have no clue you're going downhill. That's how living for God is sometimes. Just a little clip here and a, 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 a little media here and a little gossip here and a little conversation here until it's not long, until we're so far away from God and we don't even know it. Cuss words coming out of our mouth now. Haven't done that in years, but all of a sudden you're cussing now. All of a sudden you're thinking perverted thoughts now. All of a sudden you got, you're, you're too busy for prayer, too busy for the house of God. And you, and you don't even know until the devil comes in and strips you of everything. Your joy and peace is now gone. and Your righteous living is now gone until your heart for God is now gone. Don't realize that I come to preach you out of a broken state tonight. I've come to preach you out of a robbed state tonight. I haven't come to preach to sinner first time I'm guessing I come to preach to every saint of God in this building to tell you are the Esther, but you've got to get back to a place. This is I want to please the king. I want to please him. Every now and then I'll call my dad or I'll call Bishop White. And I'll say, am I okay? I'll weep on the phone with the elders in my life and say, whatever you do, don't let me be lost. If you see anything in me, see anything in me, don't hesitate to call me. But dad, don't let me go to hell. Bishop White, I've, kept, I've wept on the phone with him before. Whatever you do, don't let me go to hell. Don't let me be lost. Why? Because there's seasons that we need to get back to the foundation of what got us to where we are. And it was a call to prayer and a call to repentance. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Seek the Lord! Sister Ashley, there's something you said that forever impacted me. You said, 10 years away from God. You said, and when I wanted to repent, the church doors were shut. And I couldn't get in the building to get a hold of God. I'm glad you were able to get a hold of God. But there are seasons... I feel this in the Holy Ghost so strong. Those that are standing just remain standing. But I feel this in the Holy Ghost so strong. But there's a day that the season is over. And then you go to the next season of life, not gathering out of that season what you should have gathered out of that season. And you walk alone without direction and clarity, without a heart of repentance and a heart of conviction. And you make all kinds of mess in your life because no longer do you feel repentance. I remember when I was a boy, the preachers were preaching and there was conviction that would come so strong, so strong. There was conviction. And I remember when the preacher would give the altar call and you could feel the pulling. Anybody relate with that? You could feel the pulling. I need to go to the altar and pray. I need to seek God. There was this pulling. Then you'd wait, then you'd wait, then you'd wait, worried about somebody who might think this. I, I, listen, 43 years in the church, I can talk like this. I need to go pray. I need to repent. I need to go pray sitting there and I'm waiting because I don't know why I would hold back. But all of a sudden, the desire to repent would lift. And I'm weeping. Then now I can't weep. I can't feel it now. You know why? Because on that night, the season of the moment had ended. It's just true. People think they can just go, well, when I'm ready, I'm going to go repent. I'm going to go back to church. There's some, wild, there's some wild oats I want to sow. But when I'm ready, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get right with God. 
I remember one young person told me, he said, you know what I'll do? I'll repent. We're going to do this tonight, but I'm going to repent on Sunday night. It doesn't work that way. You cannot repent when you want to. You can only repent when he calls you. The privilege of being called. The privilege of having a moment that says, I know that was for me tonight. I know God was pre speaking to me from that preacher. I know that was for me. And instead, we, we push it off and push it off. And Jezebel pushed it off until guess what happened? Conviction lifted. No longer worried. The dog could bark. She could sleep right through it. She could go down the road, see a dog, not even notice the dog cross now. Not even think about it. It was just life as usual. But guess what happened? She was thrown out the window and the dogs did exactly what the prophet said was going to happen. Without conviction, judgment came. And if I've ever felt a word on a Wednesday night, I feel this word tonight. I planned on practical preaching, but yet in the back of my spirit, I felt to do what I'm doing when I was meditating on this service. Tonight, God is calling you back to a season of repentance. Don't turn it off. Don't push it away. If God is calling you, you need to respond. If God is calling you to come to a place of pleasing Him to where He can put the scepter over your head and say, go ahead, cast it out, cast this prayer, cast this forgiveness, cast this asking, asking me forgiveness. Just bring it, everything to the Lord. Because one day it's possible He pulls the scepter back out of my life. The Nehemiah, that terrifies me. The Bible talks about willful sin. Those that walk away, impossible to return. I'm telling you, those are verses that stir me. Listen, if you can't feel God, I would ask God for repentance. If you can't feel conviction for the things you're doing, I would ask God for repentance. I would begin to tell God, I'm sorry, I've messed up, I've went the wrong... Why do I feel this way tonight? Honey, I know you're back there. Why do I feel this way tonight? Why can't I just preach a happy lesson and you go on and say, I, I gleaned something tonight. No, no, no. But there's a season that God is speaking to somebody saying, I'm calling you to repentance. I see things down the road that you're going to need this for right now. But I need you to get your heart right. I need you to ask God to forgive you of that adultery. I need, I need you to ask God to forgive you of that sin because tomorrow the season might be over. And you enter to another season of life without what you should have gathered out of this season. And what you're gathering now is called repentance. It's a place where you feel about... Brother Kevin Green, so powerful. Because when I pluck tomatoes, I can eat the tomato and have strength tomorrow. I can can them and have strength tomorrow. But if I don't pluck it, I'm not going to have it tomorrow. I've got to glean from the season. What I'm saying to every one of you in this building is if you don't grab a hold of repentance and eat it, guess what's going to happen? Repentance is feeling about things the way God does. You're going to leave this season and go to a season that you should have convictions, but you're not going to feel about anything the way God does. And you're going to do everything that your flesh wants to do. My goodness. You know what true reprobate is? It's a rare occasion. That's where God turns you over to your own desires. It's where God turns you over to yourself without any influence of His Spirit or repentance. Hey, this is the Word. How many know this is the Word? And her progression of faith, foundationally to take her to her next destination, which we'll talk about is divine purpose. She had to have a fear of the King. I want everyone in the room to begin to pray.
Because if you die in a car wreck tonight, would you be saved? Hmm. Oh, God. Where are you at in this building? That God's been calling on you and tugging on you. Don't you bypass that. Don't you walk away from those tears and go back to doing what you're doing. God's given you an opportunity to let your heart become one with His heart. It's called repentance. Come on, all over this building, I want you to get a hold of God and say, baptize me again with conviction. Come on, it used to bother you to lie, but now it so freely flows through your tongue. Oh God, help us not to be desensitized. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's calling you even now, but you're worried about what somebody's going to think if you go to the altar. Who cares? You're not here for them. God's calling you right now, and I promise you, if you'll go glean repentance right now, I don't care how long you've been, all of us have needed it again and again, but right now God's calling you to this altar. God's calling you to a place that said, I don't want anything in my life to be wrong. Come on, come on. God's calling you to a place. It's beyond attending church. It's a place of conviction. Come on, Esther. Esther, go, but what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't reach the golden scepter? Come on, that's what we've got to have in this progression of faith tonight. I want that in my foundation. Is He pleased with me? Hallelujah. You can sit, you can kneel, you can come to the altar, but respond, please somebody obey the Lord. I've preached this out of the fear of God. Don't go to your next season of life without the convictions of this season. You've got to pluck that repentance. Pluck those convictions. Pluck those desires to get a hold of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's speaking to your spirit. He is speaking to your spirit. Hallelujah. Esther, He chose you. But I want to please Him, Pastor. <laughs> I know who He is and the authority He carries. Above all else, I must be saved. Come on. Come on in this building. Seek the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, everybody in the building. Begin to call on the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name.